sifter.com.au. Hello and welcome to Lightmap from Sifter. On Lightmap, we explore what it takes to make video games an interactive media and you meet creative teams from all around the world. My name is Gianni DiGiovanni. Welcome. Now, music is such an integral part of video game, but rarely is it as entwined as in Stray Gods, the role-playing musical, which melds the modern with the mythologic and wraps it all up in a musical. Liam Esler is Managing Director of Summerfall Studios based in Victoria. Hello, Liam. Thanks for joining us. Hello. How are you this morning? Oh, going really well and excited to see uh, how things have progressed in the couple of years since we spoke to you last at PAX, just after the game was announced, um, and to see where we're at uh, with Stray Gods. But before we jump into that, let's find out what's been making in the news this week on Walkthrough, which is Sifter's news podcast. Hi, I'm Kyle Paletta. And I'm Fiona Bartholomew. And here are the top stories this week on Walkthrough, Sifter's weekly news podcast for Sunday, 12th of May. Xbox kills four Bethesda studios, including multi-award winning makers of Hi-Fi Rush and Prey. Helldivers 2 players go to war, loving 200,000 negative reviews after Sony tries to force mandatory PSN logins on PC. Hades 2 gets a surprise early access launch this week, and it's already smashed the previous game's record. And Nintendo confirms we'll learn more about the next Switch by this time next year. You can get every episode of Walkthrough for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or on our website, sifter.com.au, every Sunday. Articles to read, podcasts to listen to, and videos to watch on sifter.com.au. Now, Liam, if people haven't come across the mythological world that you've created uh, with Stray Gods and a team of really amazingly talented people, can you tell us, take us a step into the world of Stray Gods? Absolutely. So uh, Stray Gods is a sort of choice-based role-playing musical, uh, which is a genre we fully just invented because, uh, you know, there aren't a lot of games with branching musical numbers in them, as it turns out. Uh, so the, the world of Stray Gods is sort of urban fantasy where the Greek gods have lived in hiding since the ancient times. Um, and uh, our protagonist, Grace, uh, happens to, to meet one uh, when uh, she's holding auditions for a new singer for her band. Uh, and a series of events occurs that implicates Grace in the death of this character who is the last muse. Um, and who passes her powers on to Grace. And Grace must uh, sort of defend herself in this, in a trial effectively, um, and uh, prove her innocence. Why is it that we haven't seen musical wrapped into video games? Because, as, you know, as we said, music is such an important part. Everyone has those soundtracks to those games that they love. Um, but why is it that the, the interactivity or even the, the way of telling a story hasn't made it to interactive media that way? I mean, that. We're definitely not the first. Like, there are games that do have musical numbers in them. Um, there is one game in particular that comes to mind who's, that, whose name I have immediately forgotten. Um, but it was an indie game in the early aughts. Uh, I think it... Uh, Dominic Pumplemousse, that's what it was. Uh, and they had musical numbers. Uh, you know, Monkey Island 2, I think, had a, a musical number in it as well. So it's not like we're the first, but we are certainly the first to have interactive musical numbers in the way that that, that, that Stray Gods does. Um, and I think the reason that nobody's done anything like that before is because it's truly insane. Uh, and no no reasonable game developer would choose to do this. Um, we were doing an interview with GameSpot 
uh, last year. And I remember the interview at the, at the end of our interview sort of looked at me and said, you know, I've never met a team who's consistently chosen to do the most difficult thing at all points. And I think that that's a great encapsulation of what Stray Gods has been like and um, sort of what has resulted from that. Um, I remember you used to be pretty active on social media, giving lots of advice to, uh, you know, young developers, emerging developers, uh, you know, very sage advice, but it sounds like you're not really following your own advice. Why are you doing it this way? If it sounds like you've put yourself uh, up quite a challenge. I mean, we knew what we were doing. Um, so Stray Gods uh, is basically, we, we wanted our first game to be really unique and really loud. And when David Gator, our creative director and I were first talking about uh, stray gods and sort of what, what it would look like. Um, we knew that we wanted to sort of have the role-playing dialogue elements of like Dragon Age, and but we needed something really exciting and interesting to pair it with. And so uh, we immediately started to think back on like outside of games, uh, what mediums have done that really well. And the once more with feeling, the Buffy musical came up. And we were like, okay, but what if we what if we basically did that, but for video games? Like, what if we introduced musical numbers as uh, a form of in, like both inciting incident, but also like to replace boss battles? Like, what if these are the high points of tension and where you make the key decisions? With no sails, not a breeze, I am drifting cold waters. No star to be seen. Um, and so everything else kind of flowed from there. And um, we definitely knew that we were getting into something that was going to be very difficult. We knew we'd never written songs before. Uh, we knew we had, uh, we wanted to, a visual style that was really distinct, that really hadn't been done in the same way with this like hand-drawn comic booky style. And uh, so we did make some, some choices for sure that made it difficult. But uh, I'm pretty sure that when people play it, uh, they will realize exactly why we've made those choices. And it's exactly what makes Stray Gods like really special and really distinct. Can you tell me how does a song work in the game and how do choices sort of influence how that works? Like, you know, when we're sitting down to fight a boss battle, you're doing a, a musical, uh, you know, experience in that. What do you do? What are the choices that are presented with you? And how does it change based on those choices? Sure. So uh, at the beginning of the, gra the game, uh, Grace has three choices of sort of traits, like three different versions of Grace that you can choose, one of which is kick-ass, one is charming, and one is clever. And uh, so in musical numbers, uh, you have these three choices, which are flavored, kick-ass, clever, and charming. And uh, through those choices, uh, the melody of the song changes, uh, the lyrics of the song totally change. So we have, there's usually like three to five branching points in every major song in the game. So for example, if a song is like five minutes long, that probably means it has 20 minutes of recorded potential content that you could hear. Um, and even if you were to play through the game and only pick, you know, clever, charming, or uh, kick-ass options, you'd still only hearing like two thirds to three quarters of the recorded music. You know the kind of beg and cry and kneel. There'll be no chase, no, I won't run. 
You hardly have this battle won. I'll admit a fondness for the taste of flesh uh, and There's so much music in this game. Um, and each of those songs also has like a major decision the player has to make, which then has ripple effects later in the game. There are a lot of, you know, it's, it's a David Gator special. There is choice and consequence. You know, you have relationships with all these characters. There are romances. And all of these things affect uh, both the way the game plays and the end game. What I find really interesting is that we're sort of seeing a, a big moment where things are shifting. Um, I mean, Stray Gods was announced before uh, the blockbuster that was Hades, but you know the the mythologic has come back into the like the, you know the forefront now. People are really excited to experience that world. Um, can you tell me about where you think this game sits in the continuity of um, you know modern interactive games? What are the sort of you mentioned Dragon Age. Obviously, you've got the creative experience of that team as well um, in there. But what is the kind of linearity of, of where this game has come from and where do you want it to take it to? So I'd say that, uh, I mean, in terms of the mythological aspects, like, yeah, Hades coming out was definitely something that we were really excited by. When we decided that we were going to go with Greek mythology, like, we knew exactly what we were doing. We knew that there would be games that were coming out before us that were going to set us up um, because... The, the you know pop culture mythology runs in cycles so for a while it was norse mythology now it's greek mythology at some point it's going to go to egyptian mythology um you know like that's just how it works so we knew that that was going to happen and we wanted to like pick we picked a pantheon that we were like we think that this is going to be really interesting by the time we launch um in terms of what the influences on the game are and sort of where it's come creatively uh dragon age obviously uh, there's a lot of, like, it's not, Stray Gods is not an RPG. Like, there are no stats. Um, it is a choice-based role-playing sort of experience. Um, but it's got the DNA of an RPG and how it's structured, how it's written, how the scenes play out. Uh, it's also got a lot of an influence from sort of Telltale games. For Like, uh, The Wolf Among Us uh, was a really big inspiration for uh, some of the visuals in the game. Uh but Stray Gods is also influenced by a lot of things that aren't video games at all. So, uh, you know, like the art of the game and the art direction is uh, sort of really uh, inspired by the work of Gabriel Piccolo, who's a comics artist. Um, it's really inspired by, you know, Buffy Once More Was Feeling, obviously. Uh, it's, there are so many different places that we drew inspiration from uh in terms of video games and non-video games and honestly like for me like as a player that's what i like and so that's what we like to do like we like to look outside of our medium to try to pull stuff in that's interesting because we get a lot of games that feel very samey that a lot of games that feel like they come from the same inspiration set and i think that um narrative driven games are really really uh prone to this where you know narrative games are inspired by other narrative games in their structure and the way that they're written, and we wanted to make sure we were doing something that was a little bit fresh. What has been that? Pro well, tell me what that process of writing these branching songs has been like. I know you're working with some incredibly talented voice directors, some incredibly talented musicians as well. How does the music of this all uh, come together? Uh, so that was a process to work out because obviously nobody had uh, written songs like this before you know there's not exactly a guidebook for how to write branching song um so we spent a lot of time with austin wintry um sort of our uh, audio director and with uh, tripod who wrote all of the big songs in the game with us um to determine like what that process would be like it was really complicated you know like we were, we're basically 
you know, it's really fun and exciting to be like, hey, we're doing something that's never been done before. But obviously, the other side of that coin is it's never been done before. There's no rule book, and you're kind of you just have to struggle through and work out work it out as you go. Um, we were very lucky to be working with you know top tier talent, and uh, you know it took us probably I reckon four to six months even of like full-time work and this was both like after all of our pre-production um so the way songs work changed several times um but the, the actual process ended up being like a big back and forth between austin wintry uh the lyricists with david who was like in charge of how the song was structured uh and that would take months for every song and so obviously that's why it, it took such a long time to make this game because uh, those songs were just these incredible labors of love uh, that went through so many different iterations. You know, there are some songs that went through four or five full rewrites, and we're talking 20 minutes of content. That's an hour of content that we wrote for each of those songs with You'll Only Hear 20. Um, it, yeah, it, it was a lot. Uh, and I, I, I hope that shows when people play it. Can you tell me a little bit about the people who have been contributing to this game? I know that just recently you got support um, from Vic Screen uh, to get some new emerging creators and uh, game developers into the team. And, but tell me about how your team is structured uh, and how these uh, these people all contribute to to making Stray Gods. Sure. So Summerfall as an entity is uh, basically founded by myself, David Gator, and Ella Young, our executive producer, and. Uh, we collaborate with a lot of other people. So uh, for Stray Gods, we're collaborating with Austin Wintry and Troy Baker, Tripod, Montaigne to sort of get, so Troy's our, our voice director doing an incredible job of making sure that uh, all of the, uh, the voice lines in the game are just top notch, super well acted, incredibly performed, etc. Um, and it's, it's a real, I mean, I use the word collaborator very seriously. Um, this was a real back and forth. Uh, Austin has repeatedly said, you know, how much he's enjoyed working on this project because it's rare that you have this level of, of freedom as a, as a collaborator. And we, when we chose the people that we wanted to work with, we chose the best of the best who we knew were going to bring something that we didn't have um, who could really inform the direction of the game. And uh, we've been very, very lucky with uh, the people that we've worked with on Stray Gods and uh i yeah as i mentioned repeatedly i'm very excited for people to see it because i i think that it's i think people are going to be surprised by both the volume of content and like what it what it looks like uh, a big part of why dave and i started this studio was because we wanted to contribute to the australian game development community at large and we wanted to create opportunities that weren't afforded to us as we were coming up in games you know when we started our first jobs the idea of training was uh, not even on the table. Like you kind of just got thrown into a job uh, and kind of had to, to work it out as you went along. And so we've done our best and sometimes we've failed, but you know, we've always tried really, really hard to support people coming in, um, especially when they, were, when, they, when they were juniors. And so uh, we hit a point in the development of Straight Gods where we were like, we think that we have some time uh, to actually bring in people with enough sort of runway for them to be able to learn uh, and not just immediately be like, okay, now you have to do a thousand things um, and then support them through the development of their careers during their time here. So uh, 
Vic Screen, like we've been working with Vic Screen for a really, really long time. Uh, Vic Screen was some of the first supporters for Stray Gods. And so, you know, we talked to them really regularly. And when, uh, as a part of that conversation, they were like, we have this placements program. Like, would you be interested in talking? And I was like, that's actually like a perfect fit for the kind of thing that we want to do as a studio. And so we were able to bring on uh, three incredible young game developers uh, who are early in their career, um, who are all absolutely kicking ass. Um, and it has been an absolute joy to watch them sort of very, very quickly become key parts of the team. Um, and, you know, Vic Screen's support through that process has been awesome. If there are any studios out there who uh, have the space to actually do training with people, I really, really encourage you to, to talk to them. Um, it's our job as more senior people in the industry to pave the way for the next generation that we want to see. Um, and that means that we need to create opportunities for people who don't look like us. Um, and so that's a, sort of a key part of why we started Summerfall. And I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled that we're able to put that into practice with uh, Vic Screen. Can you tell me what the last couple of years has been like for Summerfall? It's been difficult creative time, um, <laughs> it, to put it minor, but I just want to, to when we spoke to you, it was pre-pandemic, it was 2019. We had yeah. no idea what we were just about to walk into. Um, but what has it been like? I mean, you've got an international team. So I, to me, that seems like you might be of, in a better position than some of the other places. Um, but what was it like to make games over the last two years? Yeah, 100%. Like, the, pandef the pandemic was obviously tough. It was hard for everyone. And we were, you know, the pandemic began as we were entering into core creative. We wrote every song in the game, either in lockdown or in total isolation from like parts of the team. Um, the game was written, at least the first draft, it was fully written without Dave sort of seeing anyone from the team in person. Um, it was a challenging experience. A lot, you know, I'm definitely a person who, like, I love remote work, uh, our team uh, we have like a, a very uh, sort of remote friendly policy. We have people, you know, in the US, we have people in, in Tassie, we have people in Sydney, um, you know, we have a very strong work from home policy. But the reality is when you're doing core creative work, being in the same space makes a big difference. And it took us, I reckon, about a year to really work out how we do that. Uh, and Dave's come a very long way. I remember talking to him before the pandemic and he was like, I hate working from home. I hate working when there aren't other people there. Um, and you talk to him now and he's like, oh, I spend at least half the time working from home. It's my favorite way to work. So the pandemic really forced us as a studio to like, look at doing things differently. But you're right. Like we were already kind of well set up to explore that, but it was still very new to us in terms of the the impact on the creative process, um, especially considering that for all of that time, Dave was in Canada. He only moved to Australia a year ago. And so we had time zone issues. Obviously we had our US team. Like it was it was really complicated. But uh, the one thing that pan the pandemic gave us that was good that ended up working out well for us was it gave us like time because we couldn't do things in person. Everything slowed down and it really forced us to sort of evaluate everything and think through what we were doing. 
So we ended up, uh, we rewrote about, I think, half to three quarters of the game, did a full like redraft at one point because we had the time and space to do that that we otherwise wouldn't have because things were going slow anyway. So, and that obviously made the game significantly stronger as most redrafts tend to do. We were very lucky to be able to do that. Like I, I, I would love if we are going to, if we would be able to do that with future projects, I think that's pretty unlikely, but uh, it was such a great process to go through despite the horrible reasons that caused us to be able to do it. I'm curious, has it changed the way, or, or I guess the, the importance or the values that you think were part of making games through this process? You know, is there something you were, you held close to your heart as something that was essential, but then in the reality of it didn't make sense anymore? I don't think so. Like we've always been uh, strong believers in remote work, uh, that people should be able to choose how they interact with work. Um, Summerfall is a, like, we're in a crunch studio. We have very strong uh, policies when it comes to HR and making sure that people don't burn out, making sure that people actually take their leave. Um, you know, it's, it's a core part of the DNA of the studio. So like when the pandemic hit, it was kind of like, oh, well, you know, that's not a problem for us. Like we can, we can do this. Obviously the implementation of that in reality is always more challenging. But like in terms of values, like it actually was perfect because it's stuff that we intended to do anyway. You can put what you believe into practice. Yeah, exactly. All right. How close are we to being able to put our hands uh, on Stray Gods Experience, the world that you have created? I know that's a bit of a loaded question, but... Look, there are some things that I just can't talk about. <laughs> uh, at some point. That's, that's all I can say. Uh, but it is coming along really, really well. Um, you know, I was just playing a build this morning and it's really getting to that point where it's like, oh, you can really see the game. And it's really, really exciting because we can start to sort of see the end product and what it's going to feel like for players. Because obviously, you know, when you work on a video game, you work on all of these different things in isolation. Um, and as they sort of start to come together, which is like a long process, um, you get to start to see glimpses of like, oh, this is what this is what the final product is going to feel like. This is what the game's going to feel like, and we're we're just starting to see those now. And uh, it's it's it's, a re it's it's both an exhausting but a really fun time. Um, I'm curious, as a co-founder, as managing director, what has been some of the most valuable or rewarding creative um, things that have happened in this game for you, just as a as a creator in your in your own right? I think the most interesting and rewarding things that I've sort of gotten to be involved with or been able to lead on this project has genuinely been the formation of the team um, and the ability to, like, a lot of our team are not from games. Um, they're from other industries, like animation and finance and, you know, media even. Like, that we, we've tried to pull a really interesting team together uh, and... We've also tried to make sure that we had the time and opportunity to train people. Uh, and that for me has been the most rewarding thing. It's been like having this incredible group of people. Like this is one of the best, no, this is the best team I've ever worked with in terms of skills for sure. Like um, everyone is so incredibly talented and it's like the mark of each person is on this game in a really clear way, which is really awesome. Like it, it's, I've not worked on a lot of, projects where that's been able to happen um and as we sort of 
move into like proper production, like it's it's a really exciting time to be able to see like all of the journeys of these people sort of come to fruition and see their talents and skills grow. Uh, it's just awesome, honestly. Like we've got such a good group of people and walking into work every day is such a delight. Even on like hard days, I'm still really excited to like come into this incredible group of people. Well, we're very excited to finally get a chance to to play it. It's something we've been, you know, following over the last couple of years. Um, and if people want to find out more information, they can go to summerfallstudios.com. Liam, thank you so much for for spending the time, giving us a little update. Can we get you back on when the game is very close to release to, to talk about the nuts and bolts of how this thing actually all came together? Yeah, no stress at all. Sifter is produced by Fiona Bartholomeus, Daniel Lang, Adam Christou, Mitch Lowe is senior producer, and my name is Gianni Di Giovanni. I'm the executive producer. Thanks to Omni Studio and Audio Technica Australia for their support of Sifter's podcast. You can find everything we've talked about, including we're going to chuck a link into that first interview that we did back in 2019. It was at PAX <laughs> Australia many years ago. Uh, you can have a look at uh, you know the very early stages of this game and sort of uh, see how it has developed over the last couple of years. And that's on our website, which is sifter.com.au. Uh, there's lots of other great stuff for you to find on there. That's all the time we have now. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, have fun. Hi, Chris Button here from Drop Rate, Sifter's video game review podcast. Unicorn Overlord might have a strange name, but don't dismiss its tactical prowess. It uses a, a tactics mode, um, and, which is similar to the Gambit system that was in Final Fantasy XII for your um, uh, your squad mates. And you can say, okay, well, you know, Hodrick, who's my legionnaire with the big shield, I want him to prioritize protecting the back row. They're going to take the most damage. If they take a physical hit, they're going to go down, but I need them to be protected. So you can get quite granular with this. And I reckon you could build some pretty wild builds that are <laughs> totally game-breaking, um, but it's kind of the fun of the tactical squad-based gameplay in Unicorn Overlord. Tune in to Drop Rate to find out why Unicorn Overlord might just be one of 2024's sleeper hits. Available now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts.